Welcome everyone to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter and this is your TV News Edition where I am going to go through premiere dates, renewals, cancellations, show announcements, series orders, all that good stuff. Uh, this is normally a two-man show. Connor's usually here. His computer broke about a week or so ago. Uh, a replacement is on the way, uh, but it won't be here till after Christmas. It's, it's delayed a few things. I mean, first and foremost, let me just get it out of the way. The Expanse is back. We're waiting till he can record too, because he's been on every single review. It'll be weird if there's just like a half of a season where it's just me. Uh, once he's back, we'll start working through it. Uh, because it's going weekly after the first couple, um, it means that we won't actually, we'll, we'll still be up to date for the back half of the season. Uh, but it's a just kind of an unfortunate timing, uh, partly because of that, but also partly because this is one of the biggest news weeks of the year. Because Disney decided to have an investor call yesterday at the time of recording and dropped a metric shit ton of of announcements on us and, and updates and, and all sorts, as well as all the normal week-to-week uh, TV news that popped up. So uh, buckle in, because we've got a wide variety of things that we're, we're going for here. So um, first up, let's just start with that. Let's start with the, the headlining stuff, which is the Disney stuff. Um, and I'll probably mention some of the movies that were announced here as well, just because it seems relevant uh, to the overall picture that we're going to be painting here. And I'll warn you, I'm going to get a little bit cynical, right? I'll try to keep it at bay, I don't want to be too annoying, but I'm going to be a little bit cynical about Disney's output. Uh, it's been a, a factory that's just shutting out more and more of their same properties over and over again. And I'm not even talking about Marvel and Star Wars to, to an extent. I, I mean, there is a lot of those things. Star Wars especially, I'm not particularly fond of, so them having like eight Star Wars shows is just overkill to me. But at least with those two, I respect that they are these huge franchise things that people want tons of, so whatever. But my god, Disney are like mining everything they've ever made and saying, hey, that gets a prequel movie, or hey, that gets a spin-off TV show, or hey, that gets a, a thing. And, and like, it, I, I was losing my mind yesterday the more these things were getting announced and the more I was hearing about them. Um, So let's dive in here. So I've got an article here on Deadline which goes through all the Disney Plus stuff at least, uh, which there's a couple of things separate from that, at least one of which I made sure to grab separately. Uh, but they've got them grouped into sections here. So we'll start off with Lucasfilm, which is mostly Star Wars, but a couple of other things as well. So, first up, uh, Ashoka, if I'm saying that correctly. That is the character that everyone loved from the animated series that I, I believe, mild spoilers I guess, but if you care about the show, you should be up to date. Apparently just showed up in The Mandalorian Season 2. Uh, we're getting a spin-off of at least a season of this. Uh, Ashaka Tano's story, written by Dave Filoni, it will continue in a limited series, so there you go, yeah, limited series, one season, Ashoka starring Rosario Dawson and executive produced by Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Um, and then also tying into this, there's another show called Rangers of the New Republic. Uh, set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, Rangers of the New, P- New Republic is a new live-action series from executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Uh, that will intersect with future stories and culminate in a climactic story event. So, that's interesting. It doesn't necessarily say that that's limited. That could be ongoing, like an ongoing spin-off that will occasionally cross over. Um, one of the other ways I heard this phrased, just from Twitter or somewhere, was that 
Mandalorian season three, Ashoka, and uh, Rangers of the New Republic would all kind of build to some big crossover limited series that would kind of like cap them all off. Now, whether that means that it would be the end of Mandalorian or it would be the end of this Rangers show and that's only a one season thing, um, that remains to be seen. But at the very least, it seems like the, the plan over the next little while is to have all three of them build up to one big thing. Uh, so k- kind of like the, the, I guess, not the exact same, of course, but kind of like the, the Netflix Marvel shows in a weird way, how they were, they were all kind of building to Defenders in some can- some case. Um, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Uh, the, you know, I reviewed Mandalorian Season 1 with Connor. He, of course, was all over it. I... I was cynical. I, I mean, I got to the finale and I hated just about everything it did because most of it was appealing to Star Wars fan sensibilities and whenever it does that, I tend to just get annoyed at it. Uh, I kind of just made the call not to do any more Star Wars stuff. <laughs> I, I don't really offer anyone anything by covering Star Wars. All you're going to hear me do is complain. Uh, I'm just going to give you what the news is here and leave it there. Uh, there was an update on Andor, which is coming. Um, so this is coming in 2022. That feels quite far away, to be honest, given that this has been in development for a while. But Andor is the one that's spinning out of Rogue One. This is the uh, Daigle Luna reprising his role as Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Uh, and we'll be joined by Stellan Skarsgård, Adria Arjona, Fiona Shaw, Denise Goh, Kyle Soller. Uh, Genevieve O'Reilly and Mon Mothma. So a lot of this was announced in the cast for these shows. Um, surprise, surprise, I really didn't like Rogue One. I thought those characters were paper thin. They were cardboard cutouts of characters. Andor, I guess, had slightly more characterization than the others, but he was he was slightly thicker cardboard, honestly. I mean, maybe this show will give him some depth, but I, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'll stay away from it. Uh, the other one we've been hearing about, of course, is Obi-Wan Kenobi, which Ewan McGregor's coming back for, of course. And the big news along with this is that Hayden Christensen is returning as Darth Vader. Uh, this is set 10 years after the dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, where he faced his greatest defeat. The downfall and corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice, Anakin Skywalker turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. Um, it's going to be directed by Deborah Chow who helmed memorable episodes of The Mandalorian Season 1. Yeah, sure. Okay. What do you, what do you say? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is really funny to me. Because I, I, I... Obviously, again, my opinion on Star Wars is not particularly high. But I enjoy the original trilogy. So even before we got like Star Wars Mania coming back with Disney and then making tons of things and the new movies and spin-off movies and all these shows that are coming now. Like I was always critical of the prequels and I thought there was almost no redeemable qualities about them. And Hidden Christensen <laughs> as Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker was definitely one of those things. He was terrible in that movie. And to be honest, the thought of him coming back is so laughable to me that <laughs> that if I'm going to watch any of these, it it would probably be this one just to see the train wreck that it is. No, not the whole thing. I'm talking about like seeing some clips, maybe. If, assuming that Anakin doesn't show up in the first episode. Uh, that said, he's probably going to be wearing the helmet. Is he not? Wouldn't he be wearing the helmet? He had the helmet by the end of that movie. I don't know. Um, 
But also, Ian McGregor's Obi Wan, eh? I never, I don't, I don't get everyone's obsession over it. Doesn't do anything for me. Uh, I, I, this kind of comes back to though my just dislike of the Star Wars universe. I, I like the original movies because I like the characters and I like the adventure they go on. Um, I don't really care about the history of the Jedi or what connects the prequels to things or the Jedi Council or all this bollocks. So having someone else play Obi Wan and trying to care about his journey at that point, I don't really. Care. It was all it was all backstory anyway. Uh, next up, Bad Batch, the Bad Batch. I'm sure this was mentioned at some point, but I've forgotten what it is. The Bad Batch follows an elite experimental clones of the Bad Batch, first introduced in the Clone Wars, so I assume this is the new animated series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, new animated series. Find our way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone War. Members of the Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who vary genetically from their brothers in the Clone Army, each possess a singular exceptional skill that makes them extraordinarily effective soldiers and formidable crew. In the post-Clone War era, they will take on the daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find a new purpose. So yeah, more Star Wars animated series. I'm running out of things to say about these at this point. Star Wars Visions! There's like four more of them as well. (laughs) Star Wars Visions! Presenting all new creative takes in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Visions will be a series of animated short films celebrating Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators. Oh god, I hate this so much! (laughs) I don't like Star Wars, and I don't like anime. <laughs> the Anthology Collection will bring 10 fantastic visions uh, from several of the leading Japanese anime studios, offering a fresh and diverse cultural perspective to Star Wars. Sure, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I won't see, but other people will see. Lando, the galaxy's favourite scoundrel, Lando uh, Carlisian, will return in Lando, a brand new event series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, Justin Simeon, creator of the critically acclaimed uh, Dear White People, is a huge and a huge Star Wars fan. Is in the early stages of the project. So is this? Uh, isn't mentioned here, but I assume this is uh, you know Glover coming back to play him here. This is going to be sort of spinning out of the, the the Han Solo movie. I would assume. I vaguely remember that being a thing. Next up, also Star Wars: The Acolyte. Uh, Leslie Headland, Emmy Award nominated creator of the mind bending series Russian Doll brings a new Star Wars series to Disney Plus with The Acolyte, a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. Okay. <laughs> so many of them. A droid story. As Lucasfilm continues to develop new stories, the intersection of animation and visual effects offers new opportunities to explore. Lucasfilm Animation is teaming with Lucasfilm's visual effects team, Industrial Light and Magic, to develop a special Star Wars adventure film from Disney+. Plus, A droid story. This epic journey will introduce a new hero guided by legendary duo R2-D2 and C-3PO. Okay, uh, that was the last Star Wars one, I think. Yeah, um, there's a lot there. And I'm sure Star Wars fans are delighted by all of this potential. Um... This article is just focusing on Disney Plus stuff, so it's it's sticking to the TV stuff. But it is worth mentioning. The announced Patty Jenkins is doing a new Star Wars movie. Um, you know, cool, whatever. I it. There's so much here. There's so much here, and as someone who has never wanted to read a Star Wars comic or read a tie-in novel, I don't really want to expand the universe. For for me, it was a trilogy of movies that had an ending. It was done. 
and every attempt to extract more out of it has just kind of at best met me with apathy or mild nostalgia and the more it's happened the more i've just had a sort of disdain for it so none of this is for me if you're excited for any of these congratulations you you have your thing uh, you have lots of your thing moving over to marvel we have one division which we knew about of course but we have a release date now which is january 15th 2021 so that's very soon next month uh, just over a month away uh, curious to check this one out. What's funny about the Marvel stuff is that I, I do go up and down on Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff at times. I, I think there's some great highlights, I think there's some middling stuff, and I think there's some bad stuff. Uh, Connor's a lot more um, grumpy on Marvel stuff than I am. And I'll be curious to see how much he's into any of these shows, and if I end up having to do them solo, or whatever. But... Yeah, One Division is coming January 15, 2021. There was a new trailer to go along with this, uh, which just kind of further showed the the changing realities and the, the quirkiness of the whole thing and and all the rest of it. Um, I'm you know I'm, I'm curious. Is is this based on, of course, the Tom King book mainly from the, from the looks and feel of it and from what we've heard. Uh, and I've not read that book yet, uh, but based on Tom King's other works, I'm kind of excited to see how that translates into a TV show, a limited TV show. Uh, I could see it being pretty special if it if it nails the if it nails the the quirkiness without just feeling like a gimmick, uh, which I think Tom King's books tend to. So we'll see. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which got a trailer as well, that's got a date now of March nineteenth, twenty twenty one. So that's just a couple of months later. Uh, the you know, and you know, we have uh, Daniel Brühl's back as Baron Zemo, Emily Van Camp's back as Sharon Carter, uh, Wyatt Russell's there as John Walker. Uh, six episodes. Uh, the trailer looked like a, you know, like a Marvel movie. It was kind of interesting that Falcon in the trailer, he gets a lot of action scenes by the looks of it. It looks like he gets a lot of the big money moments where he's like dodging explosions, he's flying around, he's got a slightly new costume, it's, you know, a bit more Captain America colour-wise. I don't think I noticed the shield in this trailer, so if you're thinking, oh, he was given the shield, is he the new Captain America? I don't know if it's going to build up to that, so obviously I'm not going to spoil that in the trailer, or you'd hope not anyway. But uh, it's a question that's there. Uh, Bucky's cut his hair. Uh, but they, I mean, I guess the most exciting thing about that is their chemistry and their banter in the movies was pretty enjoyable. I mean, I, I was very mixed on Civil War, but one of the better things about that movie was their, uh, you know, their, you know, blossoming, you know, love-hate romance, if you want to call it that. So there you go, that's March 19th. And then Loki, which we also knew about, it's got a date now of May. Uh, well, I say date, it's got a month of May. We don't know the exact date yet, but, you know, close, narrowed down enough. So, yeah, there was a trailer for this as well. Again, showing kind of like a, a, a reality hopping, not quite in the same way as Division, though, where that's clearly a bit more cerebral, uh, like maybe inner mind and quirky. This is a bit more literal multiverse hopping almost, or something to that effect. Uh, but yeah, got an interesting cast. Owen Wilson's in this. Gugum and Batha Raw. Richard E. Grant. Uh, Kate Herron's directing. Yeah, I mean, Tom Holland, of course, is very popular as Loki. I'm actually not as excited about this, because I don't know if Loki necessarily can anchor a show for me. Uh, he's the sort of character that I like in his role and his presence in those other movies, but I don't know if I necessarily like the idea of focusing on him. 
but that's something that happens a lot in comic books actually is that characters will start getting their own miniseries and sometimes i'm all for it because sometimes i love a character and i'm like yes this character should be you know expanding and rising up to be their own thing but then there's other ones where i'm like no i don't need there to be a solo story about loki but we'll see it looks interesting and it should be different if from everything else uh, next up what if which again we knew about from before uh, there wasn't really a, a, much new about this other than it's coming summer 2021, so not, not not quite a narrow a premiere date as the other ones. But this is the the animated. Uh, they've got a lot of the voices of the actual movies uh, to reprise their roles uh, for little, you know, alternate scenarios, which they call what-ifs. Uh, Miss Marvel is coming late 2021, which we, we know about. Um, the description here in this this new blurb uh, in a new series that introduces Kamala Khan, a 16-year-old Pakistani-American growing up in Jersey City, a great student, an avid gamer, and a, a voracious fanfiction scribe. She is especially finicky for superheroes, particularly Captain Marvel. But Kamala struggles to fit in at home and at school. That is until she gets superpowers like the hero she's always looked up to. Life is easier with superpowers, right? Uh, Amanda Villani stars as Kamala Khan. Uh, there's also a full cast list for the, for the rest of the characters. Um, yeah, uh, again, not a whole lot of new stuff here. I would say there may be the window for it. Um, maybe some of these new names in the cast list are, are new, but, uh, yeah, it's cool. I, I actually can't even say it, but I, I've liked what I've read of Miss Marvel so far, so I'm intrigued by that one. And then Hawkeye, which we also knew about, is also coming late 2021. Uh, but that's, it was just shooting right now because there's some been pretty cool, uh, set photos leaking out of, uh, Hilly Steinfield and her purple outfit. Uh, it looks very in character, very in tone with the, the character of Kate Bishop, who many of us who have read some of those Hawkeye books, uh, particularly the Fraction run, where, you know, Hawkeye's mentoring the younger Hawkeye of Kate Bishop. Uh, very excited to see how they develop that. And Kate Bishop since then has also went on to be in other books and be very likable and very well written and very charismatic as a character. So excited for that. Uh, cast also includes Vera Farmiga. Uh, Tony Dalton, who's currently uh, from Better Call Saul. Um, so, you know, some interesting people in there. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's going to be directed by Reese Thomas. Oh, sorry. Helmed by Reese Thomas and directed by Duo Bert and Barry. Uh, so Helmed, I mean, I should mean showrunner in that case. She-Hulk. Uh, so there was a bit of a weird, like, back and forth with this one, in that Tatiana Maslany had been announced, or at least leaked, as starring in She-Hulk, and then she herself denied it, like, a week later, and it was very weird. Interestingly, when they announced this properly, yesterday, they actually confirmed, Feige confirmed that Tatiana Maslany is in fact She-Hulk, she will be playing Jennifer Waters, a lawyer who specialises in superhuman-orientated legal cases, She-Hulk will welcome a host of Marvel characters, so this is, this is actually the more exciting news here, because we already kind of knew about her, even though it was, you know, denied. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is back as Hulk. Uh, Tim Roth is back as Abomination, which is really cool. I, you know, I, I was quite fond of the Incredible Hulk when it came out, and obviously the fact that they had to recast Hulk, even though it was still technically in continuity and the events were referenced in a couple of small ways, it, it always felt separate because of that. But I kind of like between having uh, William Hurt come back as as General Ross, and then now having Tim Roth come back, it really does feel like it's, it's connected a little bit better than it used to be. And having Mark Ruffalo potentially interact with uh, Tim Roth 
uh, could be cool. Liv Tyler, of course, is still oddly missing. Maybe she has no interest in being there, but uh, yeah, uh, the show's going to be directed by Kat uh, Cairo and Anu Vila, or Valia, that probably is. Uh, Jessica Gao is head writer, so there you go. Um, Moon Knight, which is, we're still on stuff we knew about to some extent. We knew Moon Knight was in some way in development. Uh, and there's not really much more to this except that they've got a director here, Mohamed Diab, is going to direct it. Uh, the actual adventure features a complex vigilante who suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Uh, the multiple identities who live inside him are distinct characters who appear against a backdrop of Egyptian iconography. Uh, very interesting. Superhero Mr. Robot is kind of what I was get, <laughs> getting from the description. I've not read any Moon Knight ever. Um, I know what it looks like. I, I know what it looks like from the first Marvel Ultimate Alliance video game. Other than that, I know nothing about Moon Knight. Uh, we knew this was coming, though. Um, what surprised us, though, is that there was a bunch of stuff to add on to this uh, afterwards. Uh, the first of which was Secret Invasion, which is a pretty big deal because Secret Invasion... After Civil War, Feige actually said this as much, is the Secret Invasion after Civil War is probably the biggest Marvel crossover event of the last couple decades. And they announced that Samuel Jackson is going to be in This Is Nick Fury, and that Ben Mendelsohn's reprising his role as the Skrull Talos uh, from Captain Marvel. And that makes sense, because the whole story of Secret Invasion, which I've not read, but, you know, is fairly common pop knowledge that it's about Skrulls invading, and tons of people turn out to really secretly be Skrulls. So having a Skrull character who's an ally definitely makes sense for the premise of that plot. What's weird about this is that, you know, that that book has, like, you know, all the Avengers in it, has everyone in it. So it's interesting that they're going to be doing it here with maybe some cameos, maybe some of the smaller heroes will appear, but, you know, if they were going to have Avengers-level characters in it, they probably would have mentioned that, unless they wanted to just drum up hype later. So I wonder, like, okay, who's, who are the heroes that are going to actually be fighting the Skrulls then? Uh, maybe that'll be some exciting stuff to announce later. Maybe you know, maybe they'll get Daisy from Agents of Shield or something. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, she would kind of fit into this story, I think. Uh, but yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's an interesting one. Uh, another new announcement was Ironheart. Uh, at least I think it was new. If, if this wasn't new, then I definitely missed whenever it popped up or, for, or forgotten about it. Uh, but Ironheart is in development. This is the female teenager version of Iron Man that replaced Tony in the comics for some time. And then kind of just stuck around as her own character. Uh, Dominique Thorne is going to play Riri Williams, who is Ironheart, uh, a genius inventor who creates the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. Uh, that's all that's there. Uh, so, um, you know, given the fact that a lot of these first things are 2021 spread out, you imagine that a lot of these other ones are going to be 2022 spread out. Uh, and what's interesting about it is they're, they're all like, at least from the, they haven't confirmed this for all of them, but all the ones we know about in terms of length, they're all about six episodes, and they're all limited series, they're not, I mean, some of them could get second seasons, some of them could get sequel seasons, or something like that, um, but, I mean, I mean, Feige did specify here that all these new things, much like all the ones we already knew about, are all going to tie into the, the movies in some way, they're going to be referenced, and they're going to be in these things, in fact, there was at least one bit of casting that kind of stuck out to me, uh, and something, uh, Maybe it's coming up. Hold on. <laughs> uh, next up, anyway, is Armored Wars. And this is actually one that I didn't even see yesterday. There was so much stuff getting announced yesterday that I was oh my god, they're announcing so much stuff. When I was looking through things today to, like, you know, assemble this, no pun intended, um, I didn't even know about Armor Wars until today. So Armor Wars is based on a classic Marvel series. Uh, Don Cheadle is going to star in this as War Machine. 
uh, basically Tony Stark's tech falls into the wrong hands. I think in the comics, like Tony was around for this, so there's a way they're sort of adapting it into being a war machine story after Tony's uh, death. So that's interesting. It's, it's nice to have a character like that get the spotlight. You know, if he's not going to get a movie, then yeah, give him a six-episode show and put some money into it. Uh, that's really cool. Um, so that's neat. And then bizarrely, they also announced a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Whereas James Gunn is going to write and direct, they're going to shoot this alongside the third movie, which is not coming out until 2023. So this is going to come out during Christmas season 2022. So, that's neat. And then the final thing they announced from Marvel was I Am Groot, which is uh, the baby version of Groot in a series of different original shorts coming to Disney+. Plus. Um, that sounds like an animated thing to me, but maybe it's not. It may not be animated, but it's a series of shorts as opposed to a TV show. Or a one-off special, like Guardians. Um, what was the one that had the casting that I was really intrigued by? Um, basically, one of these shows on Disney+, Plus. It, it may have been Hawkeye, or it may have been Secret Invasion. I can't, it's not in this list here, annoyingly, but I saw this yesterday. Uh, Florence Pugh, who's in the new Black Widow movie, is in one of the shows. And it stuck out to me. Unless it was a mistake. But she was in one of the shows, and I thought, oh, that's cool. She's already appearing in something else. Uh, so, you know, the Marvel thing's always been very ambitious, all these moving parts at the same time. Admittedly, I think the benefit, bizarrely, that the silver lining of 2020 is that if anyone was getting sick of, like, constant Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, bizarrely, them having to essentially pause all of the releases for a year is giving everyone a chance to kind of miss it a little bit, which I actually think they needed in a, in a weird way. Uh, I, I I was kind of... I wasn't, like, burned out, per se. I was actually more into the MCU movies during Endgame and, like, The Last Spider-Man than I was during the Civil War, Doctor Strange sort of time. Like, 2016, um, even at 2017 to an extent, I was feeling a little bit burned out on them. I, I sort of kept, get picked back up by Infinity War and stuff and whatnot, but... You know, if you'd asked me, I, I think I even said at one point that I would have very much liked if they took a year off and, you know, give people a chance to rest, you know, give them an, give, give us an off season, essentially, and then we can be excited when it's coming back. So I think these shows hitting starting in January and then the movies being back starting in May with Black Widow, assuming, you know, all goes to plan. People are going to be excited. I think that they might even do better than they would have done before. I think, especially this first one, I think when WandaVision is a bit weird for maybe the general audience, so they might not love that as much. I think Winter Soldier Falcon in March is going to be a big crowd pleaser just because it's been so long since we've had a normal Marvel thing by that point. Um, I do think there's still a risk here, though. Having, what, how many shows is that in 2021? Let me count. WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki's 3... I won't count what if, that's kind of a wee side thing. I'm not counting that as part of this. Uh, Miss Marvel's 4, Hawkeye's 5. So that's five six-episode shows along with three movies in 2021. That's a lot. And I think people might eat it up in 2021 because it's been a year off and people are excited to have it all back. I don't know how long that goes where people keep caring about all of it. Where when we get to 2022... Are people still going to check out every show on Disney Plus? You know, maybe oh, I'll just stick to the movies. It's too much effort to keep up with all these six episode shows. I don't know. I think it's a risk of burnout. Even as a complete nerd as I am, I, I have felt burnout at various points with the Marvel stuff. And I think the year off has benefited them in a weird way. 
Also, I'm recording this live, and chat has confirmed for me that uh, Hawkeye is the show which uh, Florence Pugh is appearing. So that's actually really cool. I, I, I like that element of it. Because it, it's pretty clear from the movie they're kind of setting her up to be probably the spiritual successor, the new Black Widow, or whatever they're going to call her. So her showing up in the show with Hawkeye makes a lot of sense when you think about it because because of Hawkeye's relationship with Black Widow. So given that we're going to see this character in Black Widow before her death, and then we're going to see her after her death in Hawkeye for the first time, and how she, like... And may, maybe that's why she comes to see him. Maybe, maybe there's a... You know, maybe she even tries to kill him because she hears that he effectively let her die. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's things. There's, 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 there's ideas there. So that's the Marvel stuff. Uh, I will also add on, there wasn't a ton of movie stuff. They announced a couple of little things here or there for... Uh, some of the movies. The big thing, though, the, the biggest thing by far was that John Watts is going to direct a Fantastic Four movie. He, of course, is the director of the last two Spider-Man films, and I think the third one, which is shooting right now. So they're announcing fa Fantastic Four. This can't be any earlier than, like, what, 2024, probably? Which is uh, scary. It's scary we're talking about 2024 now. <laughs> but, which is, you know, cool and it's got a fancy logo and you know it, it would be very hard to not be better than all the previous attempts because they all suck in different ways so you know go for it and it's marvel's first family it's, it's kind of uh, a shame that they've been butchered as much as they have uh, i'm not a particular fan of them I, i've never really read a fantastic four comic that i've fell in love with um and people are going to say read hickman i, I kind of hate jonathan hickman's writing though so i don't know if i would like that but uh is what it is. Uh, so Fantastic Four is coming. Uh, other big details that uh, he said that they wouldn't recast T'Challa from Black Panther uh, after Boseman's death, uh, which I, th I think might be the right call. I don't think I wanted a recasting pretending to be the same character. I think treating the character as someone who who passed away or someone who had to leave for some reason, and then elevating another character into that role, I think makes more sense. Uh, no, I wouldn't have. Like you know, been that upset if they were going to do it, but I, I think it, if I was to pick, I, I'd say this is the right choice. So that's neat. Other than that, I mean, they, you know, I, I think um, there were some other little tidbits in the cast as well. If you paid attention, like I think you know, Miss Marvel might be in Captain Marvel too, and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to get into the movie stuff too much. I just, especially for this side of things, it's just you know, it is what it is. Uh, Marvel movies going forward. I, I think there probably wasn't a lot of updates in the Marvel movies because they'd already announced like three years worth of movies and then they all get pushed back a year. So it's not like... So Black Panther 2, I think, got pushed quite a bit and Ryan Coogler is back for it. But it's not like we're running out of movies and they have to announce the next few years. It's like, okay, we can add a couple on towards the end. Yeah, Blade's happening. We're working on Blade. You know, we're not ready to announce anything really yet, but we're working on it. So, cool. On to Pixar. See, I know this was going to be long, but we're still on the goddamn Disney Plus thing. So Pixar, we get Inside Pixar's new documentary series and invites Pixar fans into our up-close and never-before-seen look at the artistry, craftsmanship, and storytellers behind beloved films. The first five episodes are currently available on Disney Plus with more scheduled to release soon. So that's not really news then, unless that was like a shadow drop. Uh, Soul, of course, is the movie coming on Christmas Day. I won't mention that too much. There's a trailer out. You can go check it out. Because, and again, this is movie stuff. Uh, Burrow is a new Pixar collection of shorts. Neat Pixar Popcorn is a collection of mini shorts featuring Pixar uh, characters. 
So presumably that means characters from the other movies. Uh, Dog Days, which will premiere exclusively in Disney Plus in Fall 2021, is a new collection of shorts that follow the humorous misadventures of Doug, the lovable dog from Pixar's Up. So that's kind of neat. Uh, Cars, coming to Disney Plus in Fall of 2022, so this is quite in advance, is an all-new series that follows Lightning McQueen and his best friend, uh, Mater, in a cross-country road trip. So, yeah, interesting. So that, that sounds more like a series as a person... Because Doug Days, it said series of shorts. So that's giving you an idea of like a lot of 10-minute things. Whereas Cars says a series, which makes me think it's an actual TV show, an animated TV show. Um... And then Win or Lose, Pixar's first ever original long-form animated series, although maybe Cars isn't, given that phrasing. Uh, so this is debuting in Disney Plus in 2023. Jesus, this is so far out. It follows a co-ed middle school softball team in the week leading up to their championship game. Each 20-minute episode highlights the perspective of a different character and explores the drama of bad calls made off the, on and off the field. Written and directed by story artists Carrie Hobson and Michael Yates. So... I actually want to, like, just... Well, the one thing I want to highlight here... Now, admittedly, there is a little example of what I'm really annoyed by Disney here, which is that Cars and Up are getting spin-offs. But I will give Pixar... The, the section of Pixar is the one that gets the credit for actually having a decent mix of new original IP and legacy spin-off franchise stuff. So, yeah, you got Dog Days and Cars, which are spin-offs and continuations of some kind. But Soul... Uh, is, a, is a new thing, standalone movie, which is coming this year. Win or Lose is a standalone series. Burrow's you know, collection of new shorts. Pixar, for whatever reason, Pixar is the one part of Disney that seems to be allowed to actually just do new IP and do original movie ideas and original series ideas. It feels pretty evenly split, reading that list. Unlike everything else <laughs> on this list. And we're about to get to the silly ones, which is which is why I'm specifying this. Again, Marvel and Star Wars, yes, they're going to like churn out tons of both of those. I mean, I feel like they should maybe have held some of these Marvel things back. And I guess I guess they're not holding them back because A, they want to generate buzz. B, maybe they're going to start casting or shooting soon at some of the stuff and they don't want it to leak. So they'd rather control the announcement. I get that. I really do. But uh, it does feel exhausting reading the list. It's like, oh my god, there's too much stuff. So on to Disney, the rest of Disney stuff. And this includes some movies, but I'm going to mention them. Hocus Pocus 2 <laughs> is coming exclusively to Disney Plus with Adam Shankman is set to direct it. Okay, Hocus Pocus gets a sequel. Alright, then a sequel, it's not bad. Whatever, it's fine. Movies get sequels. So it's, you know, it's obviously a long time. It came, the original came out in 1993. I was four years old. I'm now in my 30s, but they're, and they're doing a sequel, but whatever. <laughs> Three Men and a Baby? Is getting a, a remake starring Zac Efron coming in 2022 to Disney Plus. Okay. Remake of Three Men and a Baby. Alright, alright. <laughs> uh, Safety, which premiered uh, today at the time of recording on Disney Plus, is a drama inspired uh, by the empowering story of former uh, Clemson University football safety Ray McKell. Mikkel Rethby. Mikkel Rethby. That's a, that's a hell of a name. Uh, a young man facing a series of challenging circumstances whose dedication and persistence help him to triumph over repeated adversities. Um, I don't know about this. This is standalone. Fair enough. This is this is new. Uh, 
The Keenan Low Project. Keenan Low Project coming at Disney Plus is inspired by the incredible real life story of high school coach who averted tragedy through compassion. Uh, Dwayne Johnson is amongst the producers. Uh, okay, so that's kind of original. Although, I mean, it's based on a true story, but whatever. I, <laughs> I'm not going to be too mad. There's actually a few new things in here, but some of the weird sequel stuff is still to come. Uh, Greek Freak has it a production for Disney Plus. It is the remarkable story of NBA MVP. Actually, I'm noticing a trend here. There's a lot of true stories based on sports people, based on athletes. <laughs> we've, we've got a football safety dude. We've got a high school coach was the last one. Uh, Greek Freak is an NBA MVP. What's this next one? The Chris Paul Project. Chris Paul Project is a bio- biographical film and developed for Disney Plus about NBA superstar. Okay, what's with all the sports movies? This isn't a Disney site. I guess, is this tied to ESPN section of the website? It doesn't say that here. It just has them under the Disney section, mixed in with tons of other stuff. That is weird. Uh, Ace, the Ice Age Adventures of Buckwild. So here we go. Here's another sp- uh, spin-off slash sequel slash whatever. Uh, the Ace Age Adventures of Buckwild, exclusive for Disney Plus, is a spin-off of the popular Ace Age franchise from 20th Century Studios. Uh, the story centers on three series favorites, the prankster Possum Brothers, Crash and Eddie, and the swashbuckling titular weasel, Buck. Simon Pegg will be returning for the role of Buck. Uh, the Ace Age Adventures of Buckwild is slated for an early 2022 release. Night at the Museum's coming back! We're getting more Night at the Museum! Comes to Disney Plus with a new twist. This time it's animated. It's an animated spin-off. Coming in 2021. Uh, Sean Levi, who helped shape the blockbuster franchise from the previous films, is also helming the uh, upcoming Free Guy and is on board as a producer. So he's not as involved in this as he was before. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Hybrid live-action animated feature from Disney Plus. Another sequel thing coming back. Now, a lot of these are movies, which is why I'm kind of speeding through them. I kind of just want to mention them to... Just... Okay, take out the sports things. Like, everything's a sequel, a prequel, a remake, a reboot, a, a requel. Like, is... would they kill them to do something new? And and I'm not someone who, who doesn't want sequels. I love sequels to things I like. But so much of this is just mining their, their library and going, Oh, we've not done a sequel to this yet. We've not done a, a thing to that in a long time. Pinocchio. Coming to Disney Plus. Live action retelling of the... And it's going to leverage state-of-the-art CGI to bring Pinocchio to life. Robert Zemeckis is directing with Tom Hanks starring. Oh, jeez. Okay. Alright. Uncanny Valley from uh, Polar Express. Uh, incoming then, I guess, is, is what they're saying there. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy. Inspired by the Disney animated classic. David Lowry from Pete Dragon at the helm. The young girl rebels against growing up. Yes, yeah, a story of Peter Pan. What? <laughs> this is... Uh, Jude Law's Captain Hook. Yara uh, Shahidi from Gronish is the role of Tinkerbell. That's a movie, not a show. Just make that clear. Disenchanted, a sequel to the hit film Enchanted. So, another sequel. Amy Adams returning as Giselle. I clearly don't know what this is, because I don't remember this existing, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> who found her life flipped upside down. Now she has to take a taxi and go to Bel Air? What? 
Uh, she fell out of her animated fantasy world and discovered herself stuck in real life Manhattan. So they're doing a, a sequel to that. Okay. Sister Act 3! They're doing Sister Act 3! Whoopi Goldberg's coming back! Tyler Perry's gonna produce it! <laughs> Sister Act 3! <laughs> Enchanted 2, a Peter Pan remake, a Pinocchio remake, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, Night in Museum animated sequel, Ice Age spin-off movie, Cheaper by the Dozen uh, sequel slash remake or whatever, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, uh, animated spin-off or remake, <laughs> Three Men and a Baby remake, Hocus Pocus 2. This is ridiculous. This is actually ridiculous that this all came in the one list and there's like... And that, that's the end of the, the Disney section, but there's more Disney, just not live action. This is, we're now into Walt Disney Animation Studios. Rhea and the Last Dragon, this sounds new. I'm happy to hear this. Rhea and the Last Dragon, which will be released on March 5th, 2021, simultaneously in theaters and Disney+, Plus, with Premier Access, travels to a fantasy world of Kumandra. 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 Maybe it's that. Where humans and dragons have lived together long ago in harmony. But when the evil force threatened the land, the dragon sacrificed himself to save humanity. Now, 500 years later, that same evil is returned. This is a long paragraph. I'm not going to read all of it. It's a movie. We're doing TV news, technically, but it's new. So fair. Fair fair play. Fair play. They've got a new movie. Baymax. This is a spin-off of Big Hero 6. This is Walt Disney Animation Studios' first ever animated series. So this is a series spin-off of Big Hero 6. Coming in 2022. So that gets a spin-off. Okay. Zootopia Plus. Yes, that's right. It's called Zootopia Plus. Th this is the Nintendo 64 method of naming your shows. Like you, you just put a plus at the end of it to say this is the this is the Disney Plus version of it. Zootopia Plus heads back to the fast-paced mammal metropolis of Zootopia in a short form series. So I, I assume that means a limited series. Uh by Trent Corey and Jose Trinidad. Uh, Zootopia Plus dives deeper into the lives of some of the feature film's most intriguing characters, including Fru-Fru, the newly married Arctic Shrew, uh, Gazelle's talented tiger dancers, and the sloth full of surprises. Uh, Flash. So, yeah. Uh, that's coming spring 2022. Uh, Aweezu. I don't know. That's maybe new. Aweezu is an all-new animated series coming to Disney Plus in 2022. Uh, the series fall is the first of its kind collaboration between Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pan-African comic book entertainment company uh, Kugali and its founders of the Tolu... Oh god. Olu Wofuki... Olu Wofuyiku. Olu Wofuyiku. Do my best. I did my best. Um, ZK Nelson and H Hamid uh, Abraham. So that, that's the people behind it. Uh, so, which roughly translates as the future... Uh, in their native language. So it's steeped in science fiction. It's a long-form series set in Lagos, uh, Nigeria, or Lagos, Nigeria, exploring the deep themes of class, innocence, and challenging the status quo. This is interesting, actually. This is actually kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, so I, honestly, fair play. This one sounds interesting and different and unique. I'll give them credit. This is a TV show as well. This is a series. It says long form as well, which, you know, implies seasons. So, 
Yeah, um, I probably butchered the title of it. It's I W A J U, but there's uh, some accents over the vills, so I'm not entirely sure how to tackle it. But uh, Aweju is kind of what I went with, but uh, I'm sure I'll hear it from someone who actually knows how to pronounce it at some point. Uh, Tiana coming to Disney Plus in 2023 is a long-form musical comedy series featuring the extraordinary entrepreneur who's who now who's now princess of the kingdom of Maldonia. The all-new adventure explores both Maldonia and Tiana's beloved hometown, New Orleans. Tiana is the first princess to have her own Walt Disney animation animation studio series. So, yeah, to be fair to Disney Animation, they've got... You know, I, you know I'm going to give them credit. Apparently, the animated divisions are doing better than the live action, because actually looking at Walt Disney Animation Studios, they've got a completely new movie, they've got completely two new original series, and two sequel-slash-spin-off series. Oh, sorry, three. They've got three spin-off series, because the, the last one that I've not read yet is Moana the series. <laughs> um, oh, wait, I did just read that. Clearly, I just didn't take in what the title was, because I didn't even think about what... It, <laughs> I even it occurred to me that it was coming from the movie Moana, which admittedly I've not seen, so maybe it just didn't click in my head. Okay, so they've got three spin-off series and two original series. That's not too bad. That's actually much much better than you know most of the other things on this list so you know what between disney animation and pixar there's actually some new things there's some creativity but that right that that disney that main disney section with all those sequels and reboots was was something else um i'm going to skip over the national geographic section because i don't think it really pertains to the sort of things that we talk about um but there is another section we should look at which is walt disney television which is uh, live-action Disney shows. And again, we've heard about some of these before, but it's worth, worth bearing in mind, given my complaints of them, you know, going back to the, the archives, what can we bring back or sequelize or reboot? Uh, the Mighty Ducks Game Changers is a live-action series which has Emilio Estevez returning to reprise his role from the future films, along with Lauren Graham. Uh, and it's going to premiere early 2021 in present-day Minnesota. The Mighty Ducks have evolved from a scrappy underdogs to an ultra-competitive powerhouse youth hockey team. After 12-year-old Evan uh, unceremoniously cut from the Ducks, he and his mom Alex set out to build their own ragtag team of misfits to challenge the cutthroat win at all cost culture of competitive youth sports. Uh, I'm a little disappointed that it's not Joshua Jackson uh, leading this series, because I feel like it should be Charlie grown up who's the coach, and not just Emilio Estevez again. Even though you can be old as a coach, there's no reason why you can't be an older dude being a coach, but <laughs> still... It just it makes sense from a baton passing uh, thing. I suspect some of the cast may get cameos, you know, the original cast does. I, I grew up watching these movies. I loved the Mighty Ducks uh, growing up, and, you know, I still have a lot of nostalgia for them. I'm mildly curious. It doesn't need to come back. It doesn't need to be more. But I've always sort of jokingly said I want a gritty Mighty Ducks reboot, but, I, you know, I never meant it seriously. <laughs> it was always just kind of a joke. Um, next up, Big Shot, a series that follows a temperamental college basketball coach who gets fired from his job and must take a teaching and coaching job at an all-girls private high school. Big Shot stars John Stamos and an ensemble cast of up-and-coming actors alongside Yvette Nicole Brown from Community. I like her. Okay, that's new. Fair play. Uh, The Mysterious Bedic Society is the next show. Uh, Placed undercover at a boarding school known as The Institute, a group of orphans must foil a nefarious plot with global ramifications while creating a new sort of family along the way. 
based on the bestseller by Trenton Lee Stewart, with Ty- which Time Magazine called one of the best young adult books of all time. The series stars Emmy Award winner Tony Hale. Oh, Buster. He must have learned it in Army. Uh, and the titular role and features a standout ensemble of young actors. Um, okay. That's the, I mean, honestly, the fact that this is just based on a book is quite refreshing. I, what's funny is I'm sure there was a time when, like, critics would, like, get all snooty about how many movies are based on books and they should be coming up with their original things. To be honest, being based on, like, a book that's not been adapted before is, like, feels feels just as original these days. It feels special. It's, it feels way better than, you know, we're bringing this franchise back for the ninth time. <laughs> we're trying this again. <laughs> so you know what? I'm cool with that. It's a young adult. Probably not for me. Probably too kiddy. I do like Tony Hale, though. Uh, Tony Hale, I mean, if it has the right tone, it could work. I mean, if this, maybe I'm just saying this because Tony Hale's in it, but Tony Hale was in a series of unfortunate events. If it can have, like, a tone, like a series of unfortunate events, then maybe I could like this, but I'm not going to assume as much. So, there we go. And finally, the last thing on this list, in this section as well, is Turner and Hooch, which we knew about, uh, but, you know, this is still coming to us, is the, based on the Tom Hanks movie from 1989, uh, detective and a dog team up. Josh Peck is starring as the the Tom Hanks character Turner. There you go. That's that is all that. Uh, there was a couple of things from FX slash Hulu. Um, that were mentioned. Mostly it was just updates. I think to like why the Last Man and stuff. The big thing, the other headline thing that I'm putting at the start of this, which is ridiculous because we're like fifty minutes into this already. But the other headline thing that I wanted to mention obviously, is that they announced that Noah Hawley from Fargo and Legion is working on an alien TV show for FX slash Hulu. I am so conflicted. Uh, Ridley Scott is on board as an executive producer. That may not mean a whole lot, though. I actually hope it means next to nothing, (laughs) given his output in the last couple. Alien is one of my favorite franchises maybe one of my favorites and when i say franchise all i really mean is alien and aliens and i I get some enjoyment out of like three resurrection and i I enjoy the comic books that i've read there's there's some fun comic books out there uh alien isolation the video game is really good so i I, i'm you know i am open to more stories in that world um and that includes you know mixing in predators potentially however Aliens, the franchise for me, that kind of has proven my opinions to a point, at least, with these movie franchises coming back time and time again, where it's my example, you know, when when I complain about Star Wars and I talk about how I don't need more Star Wars, there's too much of it, let's do something new. Aliens, the example I bring up when I say, no, even stuff I I love, I care about. Alien and Aliens for me are both 10 out of 10s. And there was a time when I wanted a new Alien movie. And then Prometheus came out. And I still let myself get hopeful for Covenant. And I'm at a point where I just, you know what? Leave it alone. I don't need any more movies. You just keep screwing it up. There's no point. You're just tarnishing the legacy at this point. So, here we are. Here we are. Um, Noah Hawley is a talented enough guy. It is worth mentioning, despite the fact that I really liked uh, Fargo Season 1 and love Fargo Season 2. I wasn't that hot in season three. In season four, I kind of just fell away from. Legion, I love season one. Season two was okay. Season three, I didn't bother finishing. 
So that's two of his shows that have started out very strong and I have found myself drifting from as time has went on and just feeling disconnected. Now, admittedly, I think the world of Alien could counteract that quite a bit uh, if, if, it's, if it's even half decent. So I hope it's good. I really do. I hope it's wonderful. But it's hard not to be a little bit cynical. It's hard not to kind of expect the worst, even though the thought of, you know, 10 hours of Alien of good alien could be amazing um and i am being reminded in chat that i didn't mention uh the buzz lightyear prequel starring chris evans uh it wasn't on the list because it wasn't a disney plus thing uh i don't really have any thoughts to be honest like, hey the fifth toy story movie essentially so but yes so but yeah another example of them returning to the same franchise so Yes, hopefully this is good. Uh, Alien's very near and dear to my heart, and I, I I would hope that this would be creepy. I'd hope it would keep the mystery. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that because Ridley Scott is in any way attached, it's going to shoehorn in some of the crap that he, he insisted on doing in the last two movies. Hopefully not. And hopefully I just get some cool alien action. Maybe some Colonial Marines. That'd be nice. A Colonial Marines TV show where they're hunting down aliens. I mean, it's probably not going to be that. That's too simple, probably, for Noah Hawley. But uh, sometimes simple might be better. I, I think Alien's one of those things where you try to overcomplicate it too much. It just kind of falls apart because you're trying to make it this complex puzzle of, like, the human condition when... It was saying way more about the human condition when they just had to survive against the alien. <laughs> anyway. Alright, on to more news. I mean, I guess this is still technically in the same uh, same batch of announcements, because it is Hulu. Uh, Handmaid's Tale has been renewed again for season 5, before season 4 is uh, premiering. So, yeah, we're getting at least the fifth season of Handmaid's Tale. Uh, it's doing well for Hulu. So, yeah. Uh, you know, season 1 was fantastic, and season 2 was pretty good. Season 3 had some really good sections, but had some really rough sections. And it is really suffering from dragging it out to make it last, which is a shame. Um, I, I kind of wish they, when they announced this, they said that it's going to be the final season, just so they knew they had two seasons left to kind of like build up naturally to whatever the end point is. Um, so ho hopefully I still care about Hammy's Tale come season 5. We're definitely going to watch season 4, or star season 4, and... I, you know, I'm hopeful for it. I, I am. But I was so excited every week in season one. And that's kind of diminished a little bit o over time. Uh, so some of the things that felt so deft in, in the first season, once they tried to sort of mimic them or do similar style tense moments in season three, it started to feel a little bit hokey. It started to feel a little bit like it was chasing the dragon of its former self. And uh, it kind of stuck out. But hopefully, hopefully this... Uh, Hopefully it can sort of at least have some consistency and maintain interest uh, in season 5. But there you go. Uh, speaking of renewals, and again, sort of FX Hulu side of things, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia got renewed for four seasons. Four of them at once. That's more than uh, This Is Us got a few years ago when it got three seasons in one go. Um, this will take them up to season 18. Which uh, I think breaks the live-action comedy record for season number. Not episode number, of course, because it's only, you know, 
10 episodes or whatever per season. Uh, but that's a, that's a lot of seasons. It, it's kind of crazy. It's crazy that, you know, th- those actors, when they started making that show, were in their, what, mid-20s? And by the time they're done, they're going to be in their mid-40s. <laughs> uh, it's kind of amazing. I, do you know, I still haven't uh, watched past season seven. I actually started rewatching it and got to like the end of season four and a rewatch and kind of got distracted by doing other things. Um, I really need to keep watching it because it is a really good show. Um, not every single thing immaculately holds up, but goddamn, when it's on fire, it's on fire. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, uh, uh McElhenney, who of course is on the show, he uh tweeted out that. It's meant it's it's a thirty six season arc, so he's happy to be halfway done, <laughs> which is a really funny and dangerous thing. Uh, the dangerous part of that is is that I'm pretty sure Daya DeVito ain't going to last to season thirty six, <laughs> so I hope that's not even a a potential realistic scenario. <laughs> but no, I'm happy, I'm happy for her. I'm happy for Elvis Sunny. Uh, it's a good show. Uh, Speaking of renewals, For All Mankind has been renewed for season 3 ahead of its second season, which is going to premiere February 19th. Uh, This is one that, you know, I I wasn't like, I wasn't like super out of the pilot. Like, I I thought the pilot was pretty decent, and it seemed like it had a lot of potential. But Carr didn't really want to do it. Um, So we didn't, and I've not watched any more of it. And let's be honest, I've not had Apple TV uh, since maybe then. Either that or Servant. I probably Servant. Servant was the one that came after. But, uh, you know, I, like, I, 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 I like the career who worked on Battlestar Galactica and I thought there was potential in the show. I, I've not really kept up on opinions, though. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what people thought of uh, the rest of season one. Um, but it's sort of thing that I might go back and check out at some point. But uh, it's getting a season three, so... Apple TV still uh, pretending they're in the business. Uh, here's one that makes me feel old. And I always say this whenever a show like, I don't follow gets renewed for like a certain number and I'm like, wait, it's on what season? Because I'm not paying attention to it. And this one makes me feel old because I remember like watching the first episode to review it way, way back when this, this you know, the YouTube channel was just starting. And I don't even think you can find this anymore. I think it was actually in the audio-only days before... Uh, it was a YouTube channel, but um, I remember discussing the pilot for Fear the Walking Dead and the and the genesis of, of Mail Fuzz TV, and it's been renewed for season seven. Like, what the hell? <laughs> season seven? Fear the Walking Dead is going to have more seasons than The Expanse? Are you shitting me? It's going to be almost twice as long as Mr. Robot? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, Walking Dead definitely has the has that Disney problem. And I guess technically it is Disney now because they own FX. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that like, just milking it for everything it's worth. You know, then there's a third show. There's going to be TV movies after the, the TV show's done. Uh, like they're just going to keep milking it as much as possible because it gets just those, it gets those numbers. It gets enough numbers to justify keep churning them out. So there you go. Um, we got a premiere date for Clarice. This is the Silent of the Lambs TV show. You know, same complaint again. We keep going back to old properties, uh, but this is going to debut on February eleventh. 
which you know I, I think it's worth mentioning because it's a high-profile enough thing, and I think we'd be insane not to check out the pilot. I mean, the chances of us wanting to watch a CBS show past episode one are minimal, but it seems like a pilot that's worth worth commenting on. If nothing else, we're going to have opinions for sure. Uh, so that is cool. Um, next up, uh, you know, CW still CWing. Uh, so that's Superman and Lois TV shows coming. Uh, we've got some more CW news later, but at least for now, we got our first look at the new Superman suit that uh, Tyler Hoechlin is going to be wearing in the show. Um, and it is better than the suit that he had. Um, one of my big complaints with the suit that he had before in Supergirl was he had like the the really. Uh, this is something I hated in Lois and Clark as well. Is the the cape was attached with these big like shoulder pad sort of like attachments that looked really stupid to me, and I I always have hated that style. Uh, the cape should be tucked in the neck. That's how a cape is supposed to look, and this does, uh, this luckily has that. Um, yeah. Um, so you know it's a bit, it's a bit textured. It's it's it takes away some of the extraneous lines. I think um, keeps the texture. The only complaint I really have with the the new suit, honestly, well, two complaints, I guess. I guess one that's not a big, as big of a deal because I'm used to it, but yeah, I, I would like the trunks. I would like the red trunks with a yellow belt, but you know, this is the, the version that's no trunks with a red belt, whatever. Uh, I can get on board with that. It's fine. Uh, the, the only thing I don't like about it is the sleeves feel a little bit long to the point where it looks like... Uh, I don't know, it looks like his hands are coming out of like a sweater instead of something that's like tight, like it, like it is. I don't know, it, just, it looks like his hands are coming out of like a sleeve that's a little bit too big for him. But, uh, minor, minor nitpick. Uh, otherwise it looks really good. So, uh, there you go. That's uh, the new Superman outfit. Um, <laughs> more things coming, but iCarly. This one makes me feel old actually because iCarly is something that came way after my time. I was far too old for iCarly. Whenever that was originally on, uh, the fact that I vaguely, like, I know the name, I, I must have seen it in like the TV guide <laughs> at some point, but uh, iCarly is getting a reboot uh, at Paramount Plus, which, if you haven't heard, is going to be the new title of CBS All Access. Uh, it's coming in 2021, and it will feature the return of original stars Miranda Cosgrove, uh, Jerry Trainer, and Nathan Cress. Uh, I won't even bother reading the description. Those of you who care about iCarly because you're young enough, uh, there you go. There's an iCarly revival coming to Paramount Plus. Because everything has to come back. E- even stuff that is... E- even stuff where the audience that was watching it may not even be old enough to vote yet. <laughs> um... Alright, are we on to the comedies? I think we are. You know, I'm going to take this, this moment then to uh, thank our Patreon producers. Uh, we're, we're far enough into this. So thank you uh, to our Patreon producers of Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bornow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. They are our Patreon producers for the month. That means they are $20 or more at patreon.com slash TV. But you can, of course, support us over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month and keep all the content coming. It is worth mentioning that just $1 per month is more than we would make if you watched every ad on every single video we posted in a month. So it is well worth doing to help us out and you get some bonus content, of course. Uh, but otherwise, of course, you can help us out for free by simply hitting the like button, uh, subscribing, all, all that stuff, commenting, 
the like button is really important on YouTube's algorithm side. It uh, helps share us out more, shows up in recommended content and related content, that sort of thing. So uh, please do. It helps us out a lot. So, yes, without further ado, let's get into the, the rest of the, the news. There's so many. So many. Uh, Emma Stone is going to star in a half-hour comedy series. For Showtime, it's called The Curse. Uh, it's been given a series order from Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie. So, Emma Stone's going to star in it. Uh, it was created by Fielder and Uncut Gems director Benny Safdie, who's also going to star in it. So, yeah. Uh, it's a genre-bending comedy and explores how an alleged curse disturbs the relationship of a newly married couple as they try to conceive a child while co-starring on their problematic new HD HGTV show. Okay. Alright, so they've got like a reality TV show or a talk show or something, and there's a curse. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this, to be honest. Um, I like Uncut Gems, I like Emma Stone. Um, I really know any any Showtime comedies that I particularly like, off the top of my head. Maybe there is one, but uh, nothing that comes to mind, but that is The Curse. Next up, NBC's developing Hope Cafe, a multi-camera comedy from uh, Mayim Bialik and her Sad Clown Productions, along with Damon Wayans Jr. and his Two Shakes Entertainment. Written by Linda Vedetti Figueredo uh, from Fuller House, Hope Cafe is inspired by Hope for the Day's Sip of Hope in Chicago, uh, the world's first coffee shop where it's okay to not be okay, and 100% of the profits go to mental health education. In the series, the friendships and lives of love and loves of the workers and customers are all intertwined at the Hope Cafe, a coffee shop where baristas are trained as mental health counsellors. Think Freud with tattoos and frother. <laughs> this is such a... I mean, it's not quite this, but it reminds me of the Fox things where we talk about, oh, it's a buddy cop show, but one of them's uh, a ghost, or one of them's uh, a pirate, or one of them's a robot. This is, uh, it's people go to therapy, but they're also baristas. <laughs> um, sure, it's a multi-camera comedy. I'm not expecting high art from this, uh, by any means, but, you know, knock yourself out, I guess, if that sounds intriguing. Uh, next up, ABC is handed out a series order to Home Economics from Michael Colton. John Aboud and Topher Grace. Uh, it's the first comedy pilot handed out uh, in an unusual year for broadcast network development. So, Sarah Cameron Comedy, which is inspired by the life of writer and executive producer Colton, uh, will air spring of 2021. The show takes a look at the heartwarming yet super uncomfortable and sometimes frustrating relationship amongst the three adult siblings. One in the 1%, one in the middle class, and one barely holding on. So, yeah, we heard about this a while ago. This is the official uh, order for it, though. So, there you go. Uh, coming to ABC. Next up, HBO Max has given a pilot order to the Gordita Chronicles, a single-camera family comedy from Claudia uh, Forestieri, uh, who worked on Selena the series and Good Trouble. 
Josh Berman from Drop Dead Diva and His Osprey Productions, and Zoe Saldana's Sinistar Pictures. Written by the first one I said, because their name is really hard to pronounce. Uh, the Gordita Chronicles is a willfully chubby is about a willfully chubby twelve year old Dominican. Sh- uh, wait, what? In the Gordita Chronicles, a willfully chubby twelve year old Dominican struggles to fit into hedonistic nineteen eighties Miami as her family pursues the American dream. That's very vague. There's not a lot to go on there uh, outside of her, you know, her viewpoint based on her on her ethnicity and and cultural background, but um. Is HBO and again? I don't know what to expect from HBO Max with a, a premise like this. I don't know what to expect from that. Um. So moving on. Shane Black, who of course you know, prolific director, of the Nice Guys. We don't talk about the Predator, but we talk about the Nice Guys, and we talk about uh, Iron Man Three, and we talk about the fact that he wrote Lethal Weapon and a bunch of other movies that were set at Christmas. Uh, he's developing an animated series, a comedy project at Fox. Um, so he's going to write an executive producer project, which will also be executive produced by David Silverman, Stampede Ventures, Greg Silverman, and Paul Shapiro. Uh, Greenlet's David Greenblatt and Vincent Films Trip Vincent. Okay, <laughs> that was a lot of names to read. So, yeah, so Craig Banyan PI as the title. Oh, sorry. Crag Banyan P.I. My, my mind just imagined the I because Crag's not a real name. At least it shouldn't be. <laughs> Crag Banyan P.I. follows the supernatural adventures of Banyan, an alcoholic ex-cop and current private investigator, as he solves cases in an alter- alternate noir, otherworldly reality. Uh, yeah, uh, it's based on uh, a series of books. So, there you go. Uh, no idea what to expect from a Shane Black uh, produced comedy, animated comedy on Fox, but it's uh, got some interesting premise stuff in there. Uh, so on the dramas, I did promise there was more CW news. Uh, so we know that the CW is losing a few of their DC shows soon. Uh, they're ending Black uh, Lightning, they're ending Supergirl. They're starting Superman and Lois. They are obviously the recast Batwoman. It's leaving the their their world in a weird place and they're looking to start Painkiller. Another show they're looking to start, apparently, is Ava DuVernay is developing a DC Comics TV show for the CW uh, based on Naomi. And this is actually a little bit more interesting than some of the other ones because Naomi's actually a very new character. Uh, you know, if you listen to our comic book podcast, Comics from the Multiverse, uh, you know, we, we reviewed this series. It was a six-issue series that came out uh, like two years ago, maybe a year and a half ago now. And it was a really good series by Brian Michael Bendis. And she's popped up in like Teen Titans and or Young Justice, rather, and a couple of other things as, as like cameo appearances that have intersected with her own story. And we're expecting a second series at some point, but she's a brand new character from the last couple of years who gets superpowers and finds out about her heritage looks up to Superman, things like that. Um, and this is another example of, of, of uh, you know, a push for diversity, I guess, because, you know, Naomi is a, a young black woman. And that, I think that's a really strong push from CW to maybe develop some of these more new, lesser-known characters. You know, this, this is not just another big, heavy hitter. This is not, you know, I mean, mentally they can't do Green Lantern because HBO Max is doing Green Lantern, but 
it, it would be so easy to do another flash level character or try to at least and i think it's interesting they're going down this path um it doesn't mean that this the cw verse is going to be really weird if this is like alongside that um i you know i hope the show is good and i would very much like if like this wasn't connected to the other shows to be honest because i find it might benefit from that you know, maybe maybe if this is good, it can cross over with Star Girl, which so far I've liked. <laughs> but maybe that's a she would fit in there. Actually, she'd fit in as a, like a guest star on that if, from her own show, I think. But I like the character a lot. She's a very likable character, uh, and her backstory is got a lot to it, which is what the the, the, the her first mini series was all about. So uh, I'm intrigued by this. Um, and a lot of it is how she kind of like, you know, she's adopted and she she sort of relates herself to Superman and wishes she was special too and she doesn't feel special. There's a lot of coming of age elements added in there. You can kind of see why CW would want this as a TV show. But it's good, so uh, hopefully the show is good. Uh, and Ava DuVernay, who I didn't really have much of an opinion on until recently when I watched When They See Us on Netflix and it was phenomenal. So, hopefully, if she can bring a little bit of that magic... Now, obviously, this story isn't as hard-hitting as that. But if she can bring a little bit of that magic to this, in whatever way she's involved, you know, if she ends up directing the pilot or, or whatever, that'd be really cool. So, that's Naomi. Uh, the next DC project in development at CW. Next up... Talk... Okay, so, I made a joke earlier about things coming back, and the people... It was iCarly, I mentioned... The people who originally watched that might not even be old enough to vote yet, and they're doing a revival. Um, now, this doesn't apply to this per se, because it's meant for a mature audience, but... True Blood reboot is in the works at HBO? What? Why? Why? It ran, what, I mean, it was like, what, seven seasons or something like that? It, yeah, seven seasons, 2008 to 2014. It's been gone six years. It's, it's actually been gone less time than it ran. I mean, admittedly, sure, by the time this actually happens, it, it'll probably be seven years or more. But it's, it's not even been gone the length of its run. Uh, Roberto Aguirre Sicazia, uh, from Riverdale and Sabrina is going to be working on it alongside Nosferatu creator uh, Jamie O'Brien. And they're going to co-write the pilot. I I hated True Blood. I, I For some reason, I watched two seasons of True Blood out of boredom, I guess. Because I thought, oh, it's vampires. I'm supposed to like this, I think. Um, and maybe I stayed around for like a couple of attractive actresses and nothing more. But I, I remember, like, watching the first episode of season three and going, why am I watching this? I hate this. <laughs> it's trash. It's goddamn trash. <laughs> so I can't say I'm excited for the reboot of True Blood, nor do I really understand the rush to bring it back this quickly. It's, uh, I don't understand. So there you go. Everything's a franchise. Everything has to come back. Everything's a franchise. Everything's for franchise potential. Uh, next up, Julia Roberts is returning to television and she's going to star and executive produce and the last thing he told me, which is coming from Reese Willispoon's Hello Sunshine, and this is uh, Apple that's doing this. This is Apple TV Plus. So another one of those. Um, this was highly competitive, apparently. So this is based on a book. So, cool, I guess. 
Um, the last thing he told me is an adaptation, and it f- uh, forms an unexpected relationship with with Roberts and her 16-year-old stepdaughter while searching for the truth about her husband, who mysteriously disappeared. So, okay, sounds like a book. Sounds like it could be a potentially, you know, whatever, you know, decent show. And, uh, I mean, again, Apple Plus at this point doesn't really fill me with much hope for things. <laughs> but I, I also don't really want to have to get Apple Plus for a month to check it out. But we'll see. I mean, enough good buzz and who knows, but that's uh, that's coming. The last thing he told me. Uh, speaking of Apple, uh, they're also working on a show with Matt Tolmach on a series based on Blake Crouch's novel Dark Matter, uh, not to be confused with the sci-fi TV show uh, from a few years ago. Crouch is developing the script. The series will be a co-production between Apple and Sony Pictures Television. Uh, so... This is actually one where I didn't really like the fact that the news article here gave me nothing for the premise. There's no premise in this news article. But it's a book that came out in 2016 and was published in 35 languages. And I thought, well, surely there's a there's a plot for the for the book that I can find. So I also got up Amazon UK just so that I could read the item description. <laughs> so we could actually have an idea of what the hell Dark Matter is about. So here's the description for the book on IMDb, or sorry, on Amazon. Um, are you happy in your life? Those are the last words Jason Dessen hears before the masked abductor knocks him unconscious, before he awakes to find himself strapped to a gurney surrounded by strangers in hazmat suits, before the man he's never met smiles down at him and says, Welcome back. In this world he's woken up to, Jason's life is not the one he knows. His wife is not his wife. His son was never born, and Jason is not an ordinary college physics professor, but a celebrated genius who has achieved something remarkable, something impossible. Is it the world of the other that's the dream? And even if the home he remembers is real, how can Jason possibly make it back to the family he loves? The answer lie in a the answers lie in a journey more wondrous and horrifying than anything he could have imagined, one that will force him to confront his darkest parts of himself even as he battles a terrifying, seemingly unbeatable foe. So there's a villain. Um, that actually sounds quite cool. It sounds like a couple of Twilight Zone episodes that me and Tara have talked about. Um, this idea of, you know, whether this is like a total recoil st- recall style thing where this guy is either he was in a real world and has come to this world and everything's changed, or this is who he originally was, and he has come back from some alternate reality or virtual reality he built himself, and he's convinced. And this, the question is, is that which one is the real life? Which one is the real world? And which one does he believe? And which one? So on and so on. Those questions are always cool. There's a lot of potential in a premise like this. So maybe this is maybe this is an Apple show that will make me go, hey, we need to talk about this. We need to check this out. Uh, I hate to say it, but it actually sounds quite interesting if they pull it off. Cool. Next up, Elizabeth Moss is working with Hulu once again. I think we actually heard about this at some point. Maybe there's uh, some news here of it uh, uh, advancing. But uh, So, Candy, which is the working title for this, um, we have uh, Robin Veith, who is from The Act, is writing and co-executive producing. Uh, 
along with the other act co-creator Nick uh, and Antoska Antosa. Quite mispronouncing that. Uh, it's a limited series, so it's just a one-off. Uh, set in Texas in 1980 and based on the true story of killer Candy Montgomery and her victim Betty Gore. The victim's name is Betty Gore. I don't want to say she was asking for it, but I mean, if your name is Betty Gore, I feel like I feel like it's only ironic that you ended up being a murder victim. Uh, Moss will play Montgomery, who's seemingly had it all: a loving husband with a good job, a daughter and a son, a nice house, and the brand new suburbs. So why did she kill her friend from church with an axe? That's a really good description, honestly. I know I was making fun of the name Gore, because I think it's funny that her name's Gore. But, no disrespect to the real person who died, of course. But, it's a really well-written description. Where it's like, hey, this seemingly normal housewife who's living the, 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 the perfect middle-class lifestyle. Uh, why did she kill someone? I can see Elizabeth Moss getting a lot out of that role, because she's a good actress. So I think there's uh, you know, potential there. Potential. Cool. Uh, next up, Lena Waith is teaming with Amazon Studios and Big Beach to develop a series based on a play by Obehi Janis titled "All White Sugar Daddy." And I'm I, I said I said that that way because it's spelled S U G A H. I was trying to uh, emphasize that. Uh, the series itself is untitled right now, but it tells the story of Janice, a Nigerian-American um, Nigerian woman in tech who spends her days navigating her peers at the co-working space she finds, uh, sorry, that she works out of in Boston. The angel investors who aren't giving her the seed money she needs to get her app, neighbor off the ground, and her friends and family who are pushing her to move her business back to her hometown of Lowell. So, yeah. Um... Not a lot of opinions on this. Uh, nothing really strikes me immediately about it. But, uh, yeah. So, it makes sense this is probably a limited series, just based on the fact that it's on a book. That that, that, that stops them always for, from going further if they if it's successful. But, uh, at least right now, that would be my, my guess. HBO Max is developing a dramedy. A one-hour dramedy called Women's Studies. Uh, from Natalia Castelles uh, Esquivel. And that's not one word, that was a double-barreled uh, last name. Uh, Danny Chase is the co-creator. Described as Dear White People Meets the L World. The L World. Yeah. I thought it was the L Word, not the L World. Is that a typo? The L, the L Word was the name of the thing, right? Oh, that or I've just been wrong my whole life. Okay. The L World sprinkled with some broad city humour. The series follows Adriana, a Mexican-American who starts her first day at a women's college in Atlanta, filled with queer-as-f feminist women. But it doesn't seem like Adriana's seen considering she is superficial and a little ignorant. But like Alice in Wonderland, her ideas and values are challenged the second she steps on campus. The pilot is loosely based on Castella's uh, experience at a women's college in Atlanta, uh, the series explores the loss of innocence and the self-actualization as the audience watches a campus of young women evolve, embrace the new, dispensing with the old, and figuring out how to topple the heteronormative patriarchy in the process. Okay, there's a lot of big words in there. Uh, that was a little bit overwritten, I think, for, for my taste. It went, it went a bit mad in the back half of trying to sound like it was big and important when just... Being very blunt about it, I think, was... And I, I think, honestly, uh, just, you know, the, the first part of that where it just says, 
oh, it's got all these, you know, these uh, feminist women, you know, this this diverse group of people, and then it ends with saying, but she's a little out of touch because she's super visual, superficial and, and ignorant. I'm like, okay, that tells me everything I need to know. She's going to learn a lot from these other people. She's going to have a growing experience. Uh, it tried to get a little bit uh, fancy in the back half of that, but uh, it's hard to say if I'll, I'll be interested in this. I mean, I like Dear White People uh, quite a bit. It had a lot of deft kind of ideas. It tackled the subject in a really interesting way. It was very witty, very funny and entertaining whilst talking about very serious issues. I don't know about these other shows that it compares it to. I've never seen them, so I, I don't know what sort of tone that it's going for, but um, I think potentially if it doesn't have the right sort of tone and style, it may not necessarily be for me, but uh, that's HBO Max that's working on that. So, next up, uh, Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes are teaming up to headline True Story. That's the name of it, True Story. A Netflix limited series written and executive produced by Narcos Mexico executive producer Eric Newman and produced by Hart's Heartbeat Productions. Uh, Philadelphia-born comedian Hart will play a version of himself in this fictional True Story which centers on his character Kid and Kid's older brother Carlton, played by Snipes. A tour stop in Kid's hometown of Philadelphia becomes a matter of life and death for one of the world's most famous comedians when the consequences of a lost evening with his wayward older brother uh, threaten to destroy everything he's built. Well, that's a, not a lot to go on, and I'm actually kind of... I'm not actually sure if this is a... Uh... Like, is this comedic? You would think it would be with Kevin Hart, but, like, I can also see this being dead serious, just because it never says that it's a comedy, or that it's light-hearted, or it's... or anything. Uh, but I, I guess it probably is. Anyway, that's a limited series uh, called True Story, which is, in fact, not a true story. <laughs> Worth mentioning. Uh, next up, Catherine Hegel is going to be in a new show. Um, as as Deadline puts it here, a century and a half before Kamala Harris became the first woman on a winning U.S. presidential ticket, Victoria Woodhull was the first woman ever to run for president. The remarkable story of the feminist icon is the subject of a limited series, with Catherine Heigl uh, set to portray Woodhull and executive produce. Um, Oakhurst Entertainment is the one developing it, and is currently looking for showrunners. And it's based on a series of biographies. Uh, you know, based on the real person, of course. Um, I I never heard of this actually. It's actually kind of shocking that someone tried to do this a century and a half ago, given how little traction, you know, just a few years ago, uh, you know, women trying to run for president, like how little that got. The, uh, I mean, I guess pun intended here, but the absolute balls <laughs> on this <laughs> this very brave person. I mean, I say well, I say brave, but I mean, like, given how 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 this goes down now the idea of someone in the dark ages of of acceptance i mean arguably we're still in the dark ages but even worse 150 or so years ago the idea that someone tried to do this and you know obviously did not win but hell even having the gall to do it at the time is you know commands respect i had never heard of this woman uh i am in, i'm intrigued Am I intrigued to watch Catherine Heigl try to portray her? I'm not so sure I am. 
I don't know if I've ever thought of Catherine Heigl as that good an actress, but uh, I mean, maybe this is her attempt at a series role. This is her attempt to break out and become a series actor, be a thespian. But there you go. <laughs> so, uh, no uh, title for that yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they could call, they could call it just a, bit, a number of things. Uh, so that's uh that. Uh, next up, FX is developing. A limited series about the the Rolling Stones from the team behind the Crown. Of course, that's the the you know the Queen show from from Netflix. Uh, not the Queen, the band. I should probably specify that here, <laughs> given that this is about a band. Uh, the Queen, as in the Queen of England. Uh, the Sticky Fingers rockers are for the first time allowing their music to be used for a drama. FX boss John Langruff said that they are in advanced talks of the project, which will be written by High Fidelity star Nick Hornby and is set for a two-season order. The high-end series will focus on the band's glory years between its formation through to 1972, which includes the fantastic run of hit albums such as Their Satanic Majesty's Request, Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, and Exhale on Main Street. Um, I actually didn't know a single title of those albums. I know a few Rolling Stone songs, but I'm not like an expert by any means. A little before my time, I have to say. Uh, but the few songs I know of theirs are, are good, so, yeah. Uh, I'm mean, interested in a show about them. I mean, if it looks good, sure. I, I'm not a big biography guy, typically, really. Um, but, hey, FX are developing that. They, they've had a lot of success with their, their, you know, American Crime Story stuff, which is all based on true stories, so it makes sense to me that they, they want to do other content like that, since it has been successful for them. And it's also been very critically praised for them as well. So this this makes sense. This makes sense of doing more stuff like this. Alison Williams is going to star and executive produce on a show. Alison Williams, uh, who I'll simply say was the the white girlfriend from Get Out. If you don't know who her who she is, uh, that's a, a quick reference point. Uh, <laughs> if you've seen that movie, um, but it's actually they're going to do a show called Being Erica, which is a remake of a Canadian show. Uh, which is an interesting thing here. Uh, Williams has teamed up with Boat Rocker Studios, which recently rebranded as Platform One Media Division. Uh, she's working with Sex and the City writers Eliza Zuratiski and Julie Rottenberg to develop the remake. Uh, it's a loose adaptation of the show, which was produced by Boat Rocker's uh, Temple Street Productions. The remake tells the story of two women, strangers with seemingly nothing in common, seeking to help an ex- so sorry, seeking the help of an eccentric therapist who enables them to travel back in time to revisit their biggest regrets. Along the way, they're shocked to discover their lives are inextricably linked. Uh, that is... That is actually kind of an interesting premise. Um, obviously a little bit of a sci-fi supernatural twist there on things. Uh, I mean, it's the sort of thing where it can make you groan if, if it's meant to be like a surprise later on, but if the whole point of the show is that immediately they start saying, hey, they were interlinking without knowing for a long time, and that's the whole premise of the show, and that's cool. So, uh, a remake of a Canadian series, which uh, was around the start of the decade, the well, last decade, that is. Uh, yeah, 2009-2011 is when they originally aired in Canada. So, okay. Okay, mailed intrigue for that, mailed intrigue. Uh, next up, NBC is developing Zorro, a contemporary take on a classic masked vigilante character. 
with a gender swap. Uh, it comes from a high-profile creative team, which includes filmmaker Robert Zemeckis—not uh, Zemeckis, sorry, Robert Rodriguez. It's caused me to talk about Zemeckis earlier. Robert Rodriguez. Uh, so writer, he's writer director Robert Rodriguez, uh, Sofia Vergara, and her uh, Latin We uh, company, as well as well as Ben Silverman. Uh, co-written by brother and sister duo of Robert and Rebecca Rodriguez, and to be directed by uh, Rebecca, not Robert. Interesting. Uh, Zero centers on uh, Sola Dominguez, an underground artist who fights for social justice as as a contemporary version of the mythical Zorro. Her life is threatened by several criminal organizations after she exposes them. Um, so this is the thing of this. I'll be honest, when I saw this headline, I hadn't read the story earlier. I assumed it was Vegara who was going to be the, the Lady Zorro. And I thought, oh, well, they're going for the sex appeal with that. Um, but it's not. She's just producing, so fair enough. Um, I think the sad part is, is that I can see this kind of working but I know what it's going to be. I know how it's going to look and feel because it's an NBC show. I can see her being this hip and cool street artist, whatever, and I can see what the street gangs on network TV are going to look and sound like and going to feel like. I can just, I can see, I can feel how bland this is. Despite the fact that it's obviously got some talent behind it who you would think would try to make it not bland and maybe maybe they'll overcome the, the NBC-ness of it, but I think that's the, the bigger problem here is that as a network TV show, a modern network TV show that is, I can just see just how uninteresting it's going to be. Uh, even though, I mean, as far as bringing things back, as much as we are bringing too many things back, Zorro, like, you know, a new person taking up that mantle makes some amount of sense. Uh, yeah, but it's NBC, so... That's, that's basically it. It's NBC. Uh, next up, NBC again is put in development a show called No Stone Unturned, a drama inspired by Steve Jackson's book, No Stone Unturned, the true story of the world's premier forensic investigator. Oh god, this is putting me to sleep already. Uh, a TV cop show, or sorry, forensic investigation show. Uh, writer Drew Lindo from The 100 and Rain, uh, along with Blindspot creator Martin Gray, sorry, Martin Giro, sorry, uh, are working on this. So, yes, and no, tor- no stone unturned, the NecroCERT International Investigation Team, a group of the nation's top scientists, specialists, and behaviorists, use the latest technology and most advanced techniques to solve unsolvable crimes outside the justice system. This sounds like every boring TV show ever. <laughs> Yeah, I have nothing to say. Uh, they're kind of rogue, I guess, because it's outside the justice system, but will that make it feel that much different? Probably not. Which leads me to the final story of this super long news. Imagine if Connor was here and we were actually bouncing back and forth over that Star Wars show at the start. This would be a two-hour episode easily. Um, CBS is developing Teachable, a drama series from writer-producer Bridget, Bridget Carpenter, who worked on Westworld, Nina Tesla and Denise De, De Novi's Patma Productions. So, based on a novel, Adequate Yearly Progress by Roxana Eldon, Teachable revolves around a group of dedicated, caring teachers and administrators who take on the extraordinary task of confronting the absurd bureaucracies of the American public school system while working to inspire a new generation of students. 
I mean, I guess it's good that CBS are finally starting to glorify teachers because they're super underpaid, so maybe getting some shows like this might actually help in a bizarre way. Uh, but it's a CBS show. I can already feel myself falling asleep talking about it. I, you know, I had a bottle of water in front of me, but I, because no one else is talking, I, it's very rare to find a moment to like take a drink. I feel like I have to keep talking when I'm on my own, and it's been 90 plus minutes. So I'm going to take a drink before I do the outro. I hope I hope you all understand and will forgive me for such a crime. <laughs> Got water all over my beard. <laughs> okay, um There you go, that's TV news. <laughs> that's the TV news. Uh I am far too loopy to do a 95 minute news episode on my own. Uh so you know, obviously, Connor's computer, uh, having broken last week, has put a hamper on a few things. Uh, the Star Trek Next Generation reviews, uh, which are usually weekly, are on break for a few weeks. The last one that was recorded went public uh, just a day or two ago. So that'll be on pause for about three weeks, give or take, maybe four, uh, depending on when his computer arrives. Uh, I mentioned at the start, The Expanse just started. Uh, the first three episodes, I believe, went up, and then it's going weekly. Once Connor can record, we'll start working through, and we should hopefully be caught up around, you know, five or six, because it'll be weekly, so we, you know, we'll we'll be up to date for the last half of the season, give or take. Uh, so that won't be too bad in the long run. It does mean that the stand next week will probably just be me. Um, You know, patrons have suggested pilots to cover for the month at a $10 tier, and that'll probably just be me uh, checking out one or two things. So expect that over the next little while. Um, and we had been talking about doing a couple of movie reviews uh, for the first time in a long time. And of course, his computer breaks. So here we are. Uh, but uh, Tara is filling in on Star Trek Discovery while he's gone. So Star Trek Discovery is still coming uh, week week to week. So look forward to that. Uh, otherwise, is there anything else to tell you about TV content? I don't think so. I think that's everything for now. Uh, you know, as far as the classic stuff goes, you know, obviously myself and Tara do Twilight Zone, and we're working through Babylon 5, we're only about halfway through season 1, so that's going super well right now, uh, so please go check out those if you're interested in following some classic shows with us. Uh, otherwise though, that is me, so once again, I'll remind you about patreon.com slash TV. please do go check it out, like and subscribe, all that stuff, get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates, if you want to, you know, follow along uh, otherwise that is me i'm going to go rest my voice so thank you once again for watching and listening we always appreciate it keep watching tv have you got any vanilla <laughs>